are listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. How do you get in the minds of your potential customers so you can create exactly what they want to buy right when they want to buy it? This is a huge challenge for many bloggers as we tend to feel like we're in a bubble, toiling away at our home offices or coffee shops or kitchen tables. But there's a way to know what your community wants. And today we're finding out more about that with Rachel Cook of rachelcook.com. Rachel is an award-winning business strategist who believes entrepreneurship doesn't have to be so complicated. Her upcoming book, The Business Sweet Spot, helps women entrepreneurs to simplify business and amplify results by designing a business around what works best for you. In this conversation, Rachel shares her strategy to find out what her customers want and the language she needs to turn around and sell it to them how to reverse engineer a 30,000-foot view of your business, and why a content-driven site has to be specific to attract the right customers to your products and services. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Let's find out how Rachel Cook achieved her reach. Hey, Rachel, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Val. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're able to be here. Not only are you a ConvertKit customer, but you're, you've are you been a good friend of mine for a long time and a mentor to me. So I am really stoked that you're here and um, excited to share rachelcook.com and everything you do with uh, all of our listeners today. Awesome. I so appreciate it. So... I know you really well, and um, many of our listeners um, probably do. But for those who don't, can you share a little bit about um, what you do and, you know, take us back a few years to when you got started and, um, and what you do today? Sure. So I am a business strategist who works with women entrepreneurs, mainly service based entrepreneurs, who are looking to find ways to make their business more predictably profitable so they can really go back to enjoying the life that they wanted to create for themselves as entrepreneurs. That's my core focus now. But my entrepreneurial journey started, I mean, I've always pretty much been an entrepreneur, (laughs) raised by entrepreneurs, an entrepreneurial family. So I always knew I would be an entrepreneur, but I have been a small business consultant for over 10 years now, mostly starting working with biotech startup companies and traditional um, small businesses. And I realized pretty quickly into my career that the traditional consulting path just wasn't working out for me. I was getting really burned out. Like this is a normal story. I feel like a lot of people just get burned out of the traditional consulting world, the traditional kind of like dog eat dog, not even a nine to five. It was more like a eight to 10 type of job because we're working crazy, crazy hours. It was not abnormal for me to be on the road six days a week and working 12 to 16 hour days. Um, so I started to burn out and got really, really sick. I had adrenal fatigue. 
Um, I was getting panic attacks. It was horrible. So that was kind of the big wake up call for me and where my first business, the yogipreneur.com, which is still out there and kicking. Um, that's where that started was because I was just really getting sick and burned out and realized I needed to press pause on my career to learn how to take care of myself. And during that, I got back on my yoga mat. I was practicing yoga every day with my teacher here in Richmond, Virginia. And as I got to know her better and we were just really talking to each other every single day, she said, Hey, I know you just left this consulting career and it was really killing you, but I need help. I, I need help with my studio. I'm not sure how to keep this business going. I don't know how to keep the doors open. I don't know if I can keep it open another six months. Could you help me? And that was a big, like, Oh, (laughs) I didn't, even think about this. I never thought about niching down to a specific type of business um, in my consulting career before. I didn't really have a choice. You were just kind of handed whoever you were going to work with. And I started working with this yoga studio, which then turned into teaching workshops and more people, friends of hers who also were running yoga businesses were coming to me just word of mouth, referral based. So I started the Yogipreneur um, kind of fell into it by accident. I was just wanting to take care of myself and by putting myself in that community, that community reached back and said, Hey, you have a skill set that we really need if you would be willing to help us. So that had been a beautiful journey. Um, I took that business online in 2011 from working in person with people to now working with people all around the world. And then in 2000 and I want to say right after Mitchell was born. So 13, 14, I just started getting more and more people who were following me and they were emailing me whenever I would open my signature coaching program, which was called conscious business design, now sweet spot strategy. And they were saying, well, I'm not a yogi, but I'm a health coach. I'm not a yogi, but I'm a life coach. I'm not a yogi, but I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner or a designer or photographer whatever it might be. And they were really drawn to how I was teaching business and marketing in the sustainable way. They just felt like there weren't a lot of people out there who were like me, who were moms trying to run a business with their kids at home, who were actually living a life they really loved and who weren't just in it for the money or for like the glory of the six figures and six minutes BS that we're just surrounded by, but who just really wanted to create a great life for themselves. Um, so that's when I realized, okay, maybe it's time to branch out and launch rachelcook.com, which has been my home base for a few years now. And, um, that's really where I spend most of my time and energy, just teaching women entrepreneurs how they can create this beautiful life by creating a beautiful living for themselves. So you said that you spent, um, sound like several years under that brand, the yogipreneur.com and then over time, you made a branch or a change over to rachelcook.com. Um, can you talk a little bit about that change? Um, we've talked to a few different bloggers on the show so far. Uh, Kathleen Shannon comes to mind, um, Sarah Von Bargen. They've talked about having multiple different blogs and domain names and um, and and different kind of brands yeah. and how and the choice to either keep them separate or blend them together and personal brand versus a public facing you know more official brand that you work with yeah. um 
So can you talk about your your choices there and the evolution? Because I think that so many of our listeners are going through that same thing or or considering the same thing and would love to hear your your thoughts on that. Yeah, it was, it has been, it still is a interesting transition. And because I have two, I essentially have two businesses um, and I definitely went back and forth. Should I just let go of the yogipreneur? Should I just roll it all under Rachel Cook? Like, what should I do here? And it was a hard process for me because one, the yogipreneur is my first business. It's like, it's like your baby, you know, your first business is Mm -hmm. like your baby. You don't want to get let go of it. But I also knew I had outgrown it in a lot of respects. I had a lot more to offer. Um, And while I love the yoga community, I also, and I think anybody who's been in business for, I mean, you get a few years in and you get tired of talking about the same thing over and over and over again. You just want to share more of what's relevant to you um, right now or what you're really, really into. So having rachelcook.com really allowed me to start exploring higher level topics that was not what the people at the Yogipreneur were looking for. The people at the Yogipreneur were a very different audience. They were People who, for the most part, and this is, I know this because I survey my audience all the time. I talk to people all the time. I was literally getting on the phone or having email conversations or getting on Skype. And what I realized was people at the Yogipreneur, because it's very yoga industry specific, um, I know that we rank really high for a lot of very specific yoga business, yoga marketing keywords. So we get a lot of traffic that is very new yoga teachers, people who are super early in their career often people who are not thinking about being full-time yoga teachers. um, They're not thinking of themselves as a business quite yet. And that's a very different dynamic than people who are my primary clients who are, this is their full-time business. This is a professional income. You know, they are making high five or low six figures already in their business. So it was just a very, very different group of people, two different audiences, but they were audiences I still both had a lot of connection to. So what I decided and and how I separated the two was one, I decided all of my consulting and higher level offerings would move with me over to rachelcook.com. Um, conscious business design actually started under the yogipreneur.com in 2011. But when I decided to split away, I decided this is my real core offering. I've put so much heart and soul into this. It's really geared for this higher level entrepreneur Um, so I decided to move it over into rachelcook.com and then rebrand it to sweet spot strategy. The yogipreneur, honestly, it is an asset. It is a business asset. And this is something that maybe this is my strategy background coming in, but I have so much intellectual property there. I have so much domain authority there. Um, I still think there's, there's a huge need in that specific community. So I decided I would keep it going, but instead of it being an online consultancy or even an online training company, which is really what rachelcook.com is all about, um, I decided it would become much more of a blog and a podcast now um, with lower end info products on it. Products that mm-hmm. were very affordable and very attainable for that type of audience. Um, People who are just dabbling in launching their yoga business aren't ready to spend thousands of dollars on hiring a coach. And honestly, like they're not ready to work with me, but they are ready for an ebook about 
you know, how to create a website or what they need on their yoga website. And they are ready for learning the basics. So I wanted to cater to that audience in a way that was sustainable and scalable for me. So now I keep the yogipreneur.com running. Um, I found podcasting to be my favorite way to bring great content. I started bringing in co-hosts for that podcast, which I absolutely loved. There are former clients who are 100% yoga business owners. So we're specifically talking about that industry. And honestly, my husband runs it, which is the best part. Like, if you are going to be running a content driven site, a blog driven site, a podcast driven site, um, get a former English teacher and editor (laughs) to handle all of the content and content creation, because basically he's taken over all of the content management and creation of that site so that I only spend a few hours a month on it. And he basically interviews all the information out of me and then turns it into something. Um, so that's what's happening. And that's why we, we decided to keep it because it is very different audience. There is some overlap. And I find that as people get more advanced in their business, they get beyond like, Hmm, maybe I'll just make, you know, a little bit of money, maybe a few hundred dollars a month teaching yoga to, Whoa, this is what I want to do with my life. Now I need to go from just a few hundred dollars a month teaching yoga to like, five or $10,000 a month teaching yoga, they find me. I've already built that relationship and they, they kind of graduate up. So I think that's, um, in a very long winded way, (laughs) the story of what has happened with the yogipreneur and Rachel cook. It's just, um, realizing that this is an asset I wanted to keep in my kind of entrepreneurial portfolio and continuing to nurture it. Do the two sites point to each other in any way? Um, this is where ConvertKit has become very helpful <laughs> because we decided that I wanted the Yogipreneur at first, of course, it had my face all over it. And mm-hmm. as I now have rachelcook.com, I didn't want it to be confusing. So I started shifting the look and feel of it. And yes, I'm still like, I sign off the emails like love Rachel, but I really wanted it to stand on its own as, you know, a separate branded business. And what we do now is, and this is one of my favorite things that I have a quiz on actually on both sites, but I have a quiz on the yogipreneur.com that, um, is, are you ready to go from yogi to yogipreneur? Take the quiz. It basically gives results based on where they are in their yoga journey. And then there's a follow-up sequencer. So we Mm -hmm. use a plugin called viral quiz builder, which is really popular. And basically identify, I, through this quiz, I determine, Are they basically a super beginner, which I call a passionate yogi? Are they starting to get more serious? So a professional yogi, they're trying to just make, you know, a career teaching yoga. And then the highest level there is yogipreneur, somebody who's going beyond just teaching group classes and they're actually making a business. Um, Interestingly, and this was another reason why I knew it was time, was out of all the people taking this quiz, only like 10% were hitting yogipreneur. Most people we're following in the other two categories pretty evenly. So if they do hit yogipreneur, then I tag them that and they will get kind of matriculated into the Rachel Cook world because they'll start to hear about some of the stuff going on over there. If they're tagged professional yogi, then they'll probably hear about my fired up and focused cha- fired up and focused challenge at rachelcook.com. So they'll start to hear stuff, but it won't, it just helps me segment them a little bit more. Um, because if they're a passionate yogi, they're the super early people, like just graduating teacher training, just really looking to get their first few teaching gigs. Like they're not ready for any of that. 
learning. But they're ready for the info products. They're ready for the info products. And then they're going to hear about like our um, state of the Yogiverse presentation we have, which again is an automated webinar sequence, which then invites them to learn about an on-demand conference um, that we recorded a couple years ago and is available as an info product now. So because of this cool segmenting, we can really target what makes the most sense for people and then send them in the right direction. I don't want to overwhelm people with information that's not relevant. Yeah. So I really love that. I love that we're able to do that kind of thing because it was a little bit tricky to do before. (laughs) Okay. So since you're a strategist, I want to kind of talk through what that looked like because obviously that's what three different sequences that you have set up from just the yogipreneur.com and through that quiz. So talk to us a little bit about, um, you mentioned that your husband's on your team. Do you have other team members that helped you? What did the setup for that look like? Um, One of the biggest concerns that I hear, whether it's ConvertKit or honestly any other um, email marketing platform, or even just um, thinking about like setting up a new website or making that change to, okay, I'm going to put some things on this domain and some things in this domain. Any big shift like that sounds like a ton of work. And uh, and it's one of those things that's like, I know it's going to be really good for my business, but I don't know where to start. And so I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about or maybe share like a good starting point so that anyone listening can go, okay, I can go do that this weekend? Yeah, it does feel overwhelming. And I hear you because to be honest, I, did, I have not been sophisticated about this kind of strategy up until probably the last 18 months. Um, for a long time, the most I was doing was what we all do. You know, you write your post, you send it out via your email newsletter, and then you share it on social media a few times, and you're kind of marketing to everybody the exact same way. As my audience started getting bigger, though, I realized I really had to understand more about what people wanted and needed from me, and that's when I started doing a lot more surveys to figure out how I could segment. So that would be the first thing, survey your audience. And I don't mean sending out a, a, you know, choose an answer survey. I mean, sending out an open-ended question where you're asking them, you know, hey, what is the biggest challenge you're having right now around this specific topic? And leave a big paragraph box there so they can tell you. Because when people start talking to you, that's where all the information you need really is. So we send out that survey pretty much before we start anything. (laughs) And it helps so much because we get a clearer picture of what exactly they're struggling with in their words. And that becomes the basis for all of our content, all of our trainings, whatever it is that we're putting together. Um, So from there, and this is where the team comes in. I do have a team, um, I I love my team. They're small and mighty and they're amazing. So I have a project manager. I have a community concierge who manages our Facebook group and manages my inbox. And then I have more of a techie VA who's behind the scenes, you know, managing our websites. Um, And they're really the core team. And then we have some different out, you know, people we outsource to things to a designer and copywriter here and there as we need things. Um, but really with them, they are helping me identify how can we support our community even more. So when I'm creating new content and putting these types of strategies in place, they're cataloging the questions we're getting. 
they're saying, hey, we've been getting a lot of questions around, I mean, for example, when I switched to ConvertKit, (laughs) and I think this happens to anybody who makes a big switch on a platform and people can tell you're making a switch. They're like, hey, why are you making the switch? What's going on here? So we start getting a lot of questions around that and we start thinking about, okay, how can we talk about this? What makes the most sense? How can we um, share what we've learned or this process for deciding this tool or platform we're using? And that becomes something we do. Um, Another thing we do is we use those responses to help us craft new offerings. That's how we came up with our program, Get More Clients. So after our launch this past winter, I sent that open-ended survey to people. And I actually sent two versions of the survey because ConvertKit lets us tag people. So we had tagged anybody after that, like during the launch, tagged anybody who clicked a link to look at the sales page. So anybody who looked at the sales page was tagged um, interest list for the program that we were launching, Conscious Business Design, now Sweet Spot Strategy. And then everybody else obviously didn't have that tag. So when we sent out a survey after the launch, post-launch, it was probably like a week and a half later, we asked um, the people who had looked at the sales page but didn't buy or didn't sign up for the program, hey, we noticed (laughs) that you didn't sign up for the program and we're just curious, how can we support you? What was holding you back? Um, and those people gave us such rich responses and helped us figure out that the biggest challenge they were coming up with was they really knew they needed the strategy, but they also just needed cash flow. Like now they, they just Mm -hmm. needed something that they could implement quickly. They didn't feel like they had eight weeks to get through a program. (laughs) You know, they were like, this sounds awesome. And I know long-term it'll help my business, but right now I just need a plan. And then we sent out another variation of that survey to the whole list um, who hadn't viewed that sales page. And it was a little bit more of a broad question um, asking similarly, hey, what's the biggest challenge you're having growing your business right now? And they also gave similar responses, maybe not as adamant or passionate (laughs) as the people who had looked but didn't buy, but they still gave us a lot of great insight. And that's how we decided to create Get More Clients. That's how we decided to name the program get more clients because that's exactly what people were saying to us. Um, They said, I want to get more clients. I need to get more clients. I need to get more clients now. I need to get five more clients this month. Um, So those words are incredibly, incredibly powerful. And because we had segmented people, even who had looked at a specific page or clicked a specific link, it really helped us to make sure that we were being very relevant. And so then I took all those responses um, from these two variations of the survey and wrote a series of blog posts. And in that series of blog posts, I was really able to kind of test my hypothesis that this is what people were struggling with. I was, I wrote a series of blog posts. It was really about, you know, why are you struggling to get more clients into your business? What are the big reasons you're not getting them into your business? Um, what's the easiest way to bring more cash flow into your business? And it's usually one-on-one services. And those got a huge, huge response. So we're the whole time tagging people like crazy. Like anybody who read the blog post got a tag. Anybody who answered the survey got a tag. And what we did is I took a literally a section of the bigger program. And it was a section that I hadn't really thought a whole lot about until I'm like, whoa, this is a really a problem I could solve very quickly because I already have the training kind of mapped out because I've taught it already. I already have the system in place. It's a basically an email campaign 
um, and an outreach campaign to quickly get people into your business. And I was like, I could turn this into like a two hour masterclass and have this created in a weekend because I already had the system in place. I already had all of it written. So I did that. That's what I did. When I started seeing we were getting a great response, I created this mini program, um, spent a lot of time creating a bunch of templates for it. And anybody who was tagged from the survey or from following those blog posts, they got first dibs on that program. They got an early insider enrollment offer um, where they could get access to it, plus a group Q&A call with me. And that was really where I realized, okay, wow, this segmenting is powerful. Like being able to tag people here is really powerful because we made $10,000 off of one email when I introduced that special offer. Wow. And did you launch it or or sell it before it was actually done, before it was created, that MVP kind of I, minimum viable product thing? I went ahead and created it because I knew it would be pretty short and sweet. Yeah. Um, I knew this wasn't going to be like a program. This was very much like, um, imagine showing up for a workshop, you know, like a, a two yeah. hour masterclass. And like you said, you already had a majority of the content. So. Yeah. All I had to do was literally, I, I started by putting together all the worksheets and then I realized, and this is just because I've worked with so many people, the biggest challenge most people have is communicating what they're trying to offer. <laughs> so I basically took all of the emails I had ever used. Cause I run this same system all the time, like all mm-hmm. the time. So I took literally the emails I had. And instead of my specific business information, I was just like, how can I turn this into a Mad Libs of an email campaign and then have a couple variations on it? So I just started taking the emails I had already used that I knew brought in a lot of money for my own business and turned it into a Mad Libs style email campaign so they could fill in their specific information. And then I recorded the masterclass. I mean, it might've taken me a few days to put together the slide deck. Um, but I would say it took me about a week to put it all together again, because it's a a system I had used (laughs) like a documented system. We'd saved my swipe files that I have used several times a year for the past six years. And it didn't take me long to put together, but we, the one thing we did do with convert kit as well was, um, I didn't want to deal with setting up our whole membership site because that stuff gets complicated too, right? Like it's another layer of complexity trying to, get a new thing loaded in your membership site and then set all of your integrations and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All of that just sounds like I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Thanks. Yeah. And this is what, even if it's not working. Yeah. So I decided because we just wanted to test it. Um, and I just wanted to get it out there. I threw it up on Gumroad, which I'd never really used before, but I'd heard from a lot of people that it was really easy to use. Um, it was, it was super easy to use. It was super easy to use and set up with convert kit. So that's what we did. Like I took, some time putting together the program. And then I uploaded it all into Gumroad. We sent out a few emails and that's how we did our kind of insider launch. And then about a month later, I did a couple webinars to my list. And the next month I did a couple webinars starting to add on Facebook ads. And now we've got it all set up as a completely automated system. Like we've got webinars that we're advertising, but they're all on demand which is really great because it means for the first time, and I've never had this, like I've never had Val something that wasn't a live launch or that I wasn't having to physically do something. Um, But now we have something that is literally working for the business all the time. And even if it's not necessarily generating revenue every single day, we're not at that point. We're still slowly building up how much we're spending and tweaking and refining 
but it's bringing people into my email list every single day. Yeah. Which- and you, for the first time, are waking up to, oh, he sold that product overnight and didn't know didn't have to do anything. You didn't host a webinar. You didn't send an email yeah. um, because the system's just running for you. It's really cool. And <laughs> it has taken a lot of work though. Like there's a lot of people who seem yeah. to think passive income is some magic button. And I have to say it has taken a ton of work and it's, it's a sophisticated strategy. This is not something I would recommend to a brand new beginner trying to do it all on their own without a team. Um, because each step of the way, we've run into crazy stuff that we didn't know how to handle. And if I didn't have a team, if I didn't have access to the support team at ConvertKit, I don't know how we would figure this stuff out by ourselves. Um, So uh, with that said, though, is it something that if you were a beginning blogger and you have some, you have an info product that is either in your mind or maybe somebody's done a a live workshop they want to turn into a digital product? Yeah. if that's something that they're feeling like, oh, I'm listening to Rachel's story, I t- can totally see how that would reflect in my business. Um, but I don't understand the strategy. She said, uh, you talked about having a blog post series um, and the strategy that went behind that. How would someone go about like taking that, you know, 30,000 foot view <laughs> and and mapping it all out? Is it like you just need like a giant whiteboard and like plan everything in advance with your blog post series? Did you um, did you know what was going into each blog post before you wrote them? I, I think yeah. so many bloggers just are like, oh, I need a blog post this week and there's no real strategy behind it. Yeah. Um, so since, since you are, uh, you know, professionally trained and worked with really big businesses as a consultant and then turn that into what you've been doing for the last eight years. Yeah. Um, You know, let's, let's talk about strategy and what that could look like to take a 30,000 foot view of your own business. So everything I think of is in terms of reverse engineering. And even when I'm trying to figure something out, I am somebody, you guys, I'm such a nerd. Like if I'm obsessed with what somebody is doing, I I watch their launch and I'm like, this is amazing. I will actually go to the last thing I saw them do. And then I will start clicking backwards on their blog (laughs) to see what's going on. (laughs) I will pull up their whole Facebook timeline and start going and scrolling and saying, okay, here's what they were doing. Here's what they were doing. I will go back and I will print out all the emails um, to kind of reverse engineer what they did. And I think what we often get overwhelmed with is we see the end and we're like, whoa, they did all these cool things. And we think we have to start there, but really you don't. You just have to start with something simple that validates you're going in the right direction. So for me, it all started with that survey. It all starts Mm -hmm. with the survey. And from the survey, again, the big thing is you have to have an open-ended question. What is the biggest thing you're struggling with around, insert your topic, that you want to talk about or that your program or product or service about. If you just say something vague, like what's the biggest thing you're struggling with around your weight? Like that's so open-ended and you will get way too much info that you can't do anything with. But if I'm a health coach, I would say something like, Hey, what's the biggest thing you're struggling with when it comes to meal planning? Then you're getting somewhere. Then you're getting really great information. And suddenly you'll start to see themes and you really don't need a ton of responses. Like even if you have a small email list, you get a few people that say, the biggest struggle I have with meal planning is actually 
you know, finding a couple hours on Sunday to sit down and prep for the week. I don't do it. (laughs) Or the biggest thing I'm struggling with is I don't know how to make sure I'm not wasting all my food. So I feel bad about that. Whatever it is. Like you start to hear things. You start to group like with like, and then you'll see a thread. And usually what comes up is um, you'll identify there's probably some common mistakes people are making. That's a post. Like what is, what are the top mistakes you're seeing people make? That's a perfect, perfect post. And from a launch strategy and sales strategy standpoint, this is important information. People need to identify like, what are they doing wrong so that they can learn what they need to do right. Um, you can also see something that's like the biggest myths or the biggest things they think that they should do, but it's actually not helping them. So if you're talking about meal planning, then maybe there's a big myth that they bought into that's not actually helping them. It's actually hurting them. So what's that all about? Um, And then you'll start to see the individual specific things. And you don't want to get, you know, some people's responses will get super specific to just them. You want to laser in on responses that are pretty universal because the more personal the more universal, if you can find things that are like that, that speak to a lot of people, that's a great post. So finding those types of posts, I find um, out of those responses, really help you to validate that you're on the right track and that you're resonating with people. And once you can make sure you're resonating with people, you you know you probably have people who are interested in a, in the product you're trying to create. Um, and of course, you tag the people who read these posts so that when you do launch the product, you can say, hey, I can see you're interested in this. Even without creating an interest list, you can do this. Like You can tag them so that when you do create that product, you can say, hey, I'm looking, you, you could do further validation. Hey, I want to talk to 10 people who are struggling with XYZ this week. Um, if, if you're available for 15 minutes, can you click here and book a time on my calendar um, for further validation? Or you can send them an insider offer, an MVP offer. So that's kind of where I would start with that is start thinking strategically. Don't think of it as like a big idea content dump because that's where I think a lot of people start to go wrong. They get too much going on and it's not telling a story. It's not taking people in a a direction. And you want to take people in a direction with your blog. Each post you write should be going in the direction of a thing you have to offer and helping answer those questions that they're struggling with that would help them to believe that what you have to offer is the solution or the right solution for them. Is that true for every blog post for you in in your experience, having every blog post on your site, um, not necessarily end with a call to action of a a buy this thing or sign up for this program, but to have it relate back to a product or an an offering? Um, Or is there such a thing as a like standalone post that has nothing to do with anything that you're selling or or offering? I think, um, so for me, I have some that I I would group under kind of like a philosophy post (laughs) because um, for all of us, especially if you are in a crowded space, uh, you need to believe something. You need to share what makes you different or else you're just sharing the same tips and tricks and tactics that everybody's sharing. And if all you're doing is sharing the same stuff, like no one knows what makes you different or unique. So in fact, one of my most shared posts um, doesn't really lead into anything it's just sharing kind of my philosophy and it's, it's a post called why a big enough business is the key to designing a life you love. 
it's not a hundred percent tied into anything. I mean, this is kind of my overall message and why I created the sweet spot strategy, but it's not teaching a strategy or tactic or how to do this. It's just a philosophy post. It's all around helping people understand like, why are you creating this business you're creating (laughs) and what is big enough for you so that you can live the life you want right now, instead of putting yourself in basically the entrepreneurial version of the rat race, chasing the next six figure launch or whatever it is. And it separates you from like a a Gary V kind of post that's like hustle, 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 um, that your big enough business post really says to your readers, this is the kind of trainings I do. This is my my belief and my mindset. And um, and you're not going to get the the hustle mindset from me, um, you know, unless that there's a particular element of it there. Um, But it helps people know who you are before they've ever bought anything from you. Yeah, exactly. And I think sharing who you are is really important. Again, the more crowded your space is, the more you have to have an opinion. You have to be able to really drive your own philosophy in the ground and say, this is what I stand behind. And this is what I'm trying to create in the world. I don't think we need more Gary Vee lookalikes. Like, I think he's great. I watch his stuff every single day, but am I going to work like he does? No, 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 no. Like that is not, that is not my end game. Um, for him it is, that's fine. But for, for me sharing these pieces of philosophy, um, sharing a little peek at what it's like to be a mom entrepreneur, sharing, something around, you know, why I believe that self-care is so important for entrepreneurs. I don't have a self-care program. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I talk about self-care and anybody who follows me knows that this is just a big part of my philosophy. And I can't tell you how many private clients I've had where I just get to the end of a session with them. And I'm like, okay, you're not allowed to work this weekend. In fact, what would be really fun for you? You want to go on a hike this weekend? Cool. The only thing you're allowed to do on your phone on that hike is send me a picture of the hike. <laughs> That's your homework. That's your homework. You need to rest. Um, because I I really feel like these are things that we miss out on in the conversation around entrepreneurship. So I think there's something there that you can share that's kind of your philosophy about what it is that you're doing. If you are, a, again, I keep going back to health coaches because so many of my people are health or wellness um, but if you're a health coach, share your philosophy around not just food, but the role of food. I think someone who does a really beautiful job with this is one of my clients, Casey. She has worthyandwell.com and she talks about her philosophy of fuel flavor fun. So yes, she's going to talk about the fuel, the, as a dietitian, like the, all the, you know, nutrition label of stuff and the math of nutrition and all of those technical things. But then she also talks about flavor and how it can be an amazing experience. And she talks about fun and the social component of it. So I think there's a lot there, a lot of room there to make yourself stand out by having some of these core philosophy posts. Now, if it's all philosophy and there's nothing for people to do with it, then it gets hard. So you need that balance. You know, you need that balance of here's what I believe And here is how you can start to implement some of this into your life. Yeah. And I think that balance. And leading up to 
Yeah. And then the balance between when you're leading up to a launch and um, when you're like in between launching programs or, you know, the, those yeah. philosophy posts can be sprinkled in a little bit more when you when you aren't launching something. Exactly. And I find that it's a nice way to um, kind of break up the monotony as a blogger. Like, again, you, you start talking about the same things over and over and over again. And sometimes there's something that just really matters to you or a question you want to address. And those times when you're not gearing up, it's a perfect time to share something that's just really just giving and sharing yourself more than sharing content. So you talked about one of your posts that has the biggest reach, and that's your big enough business post. And we'll link to that in the show notes too. Um, but I, I wonder in the many years, eight, almost, is it eight years since you started Yogipreneur? Yeah, 2008. Yeah. So in eight years and probably thousands of blog posts and pieces of content between the two sites, um, what posts do you feel like you wish really had a bigger reach or that more people would get their eyes on that you really, you know, we all have those posts that we're, we love writing yeah. and um, putting out into the world. And it just doesn't, it doesn't get as far as you hope. It's so funny because now that I have rachelcook.com, I actually brought over some of these kind of philosophy-based posts from when I was writing at The Yogipreneur. Um, and they were kind of like what seeded my new blog. I was like, this is like the best that I've written. I want to bring it back over here. And I didn't spend a lot of time promoting those posts, even though they did really well before. So that's one thing I'm working on is some of the posts that I knew really resonated Um I'm, I'm working on bringing those back out and republishing them. And that's a big strategy I also love is just republishing <laughs> content and finding something that worked really well and then sharing it again. So I had, I had a post, for example, called, hmm, what was it called? Something like, um, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember the name of it, but it was about why lifestyle design matters. And, and, oh yeah, we'll find yeah, that Yeah, it was it's like one of the first ones I brought over and it got like hundreds of shares on the yogipreneur.com when I wrote it. But then I moved it over to Rachel cook and didn't really share it. It was just like something that I brought over and didn't promote. Um, so that would be a big thing. And what's interesting is on rachelcook.com, the thing that makes me stand out and what I've heard from people is that I have these philosophy based posts and they're some of the most popular things I've written on the yogipreneur.com. It's funny because some of the most popular posts there are really, really simple. Like 30 ways yoga teachers can make more money continues to be one of the top, honestly, three posts that drives like 60% of my traffic to my site. Wow. It's ridiculous. Um, and they're very tactical and very narrowly focused. So that's what's been interesting. Any of the posts that I write that are kind of generic and a lot of other people have written those, they never get the attention as something that's either super specific or something that's more of a philosophy post. It's funny. We all think that we need to, we, we stay within our, our niche. So you could very well, you probably have these posts that are about yoga or, um, you know, well-being and, and they feel like really good posts, but they aren't specific enough to actually get traction. Yeah. Um, so that one that's, you know, about specifically how you can make money and people love those lists. <laughs> people love lists. Oh, yeah. 30 ways is amazing. And 30 feels really special because like 12, great. 
But 30 feels like, oh, she really put some time and effort into this. Yeah. 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 And I'll, um, I might find something new because there's always, you know, th- there's plenty to learn in 30. So um, not that everyone should write 30 ways posts, but <laughs> being really specific is um, – is a great way to to up those SEO rankings and um, give all the the Google gods a lot of love um, for for your post and and help people find you. Yeah, when you're in a specific niche, absolutely. And I I also want to just reiterate, like not every post is going to get like 500 shares, and yeah. that's just a reality. Like the 80 20 rule always applies, right? Like you're still going to have some posts that just take off and people love them, and then you're going to have some posts that are just your nurture content. You know, it's just what you're sharing with your audience on a regular consistent basis. It's adding value, but it's not something that's making people go like, Oh, this was incredible. It's, it's hard to write epic stuff all the time. Like don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. That's, that's just too impossible. And I think a lot of people do that and they stop writing and they stop sharing. But this is again, where Everything for me comes back to what are the questions people have? How can I answer those questions um, in a way that really helps as many people as possible? And those are kind of just the regular, the regular content that keep people engaged with me. The stuff that is the philosophy posts or the epic posts, those are the things that attract people to me. And they have different roles, but they're both equally important. So I don't try to put too much pressure on it. And you aren't guessing at those questions because you have your survey answers. They're actual words people are using, and oh, yeah. you can take those and turn them into headlines or, as you did, the the title of a product. Exactly. Okay, so you have a lot of strategy here in your business, and um, obviously you're a little self-taught, but I have a feeling there's uh, some different things that have influenced you over the years. Um, so what would you say influenced you most when it came when it comes to achieving the reach that you have today? Is it a person or a particular book or a blog post that you've read, um, something that our listeners can can go and find and absorb and start to understand sure. your background, your way of thinking? I think there's a couple parts of it. I mean, I have an MBA, but I don't think everybody needs to go get an MBA. <laughs> In fact, I don't, <laughs> for most entrepreneurs, it's probably not going to help you as much as you might think it will. Um, I would say, you know, the biggest thing I – grew up in an entrepreneurial family and I have a dad who's been an entrepreneur since he was a kid. His grandfather was a grocer and an entrepreneur. My mom was an entrepreneur. Like when you grow up with entrepreneurs, you, you kind of absorb this stuff. And a big thing that you absorb is just grit. You got to stay in the game. You got to just keep doing the work. And I think where a lot of people stumble and get stuck is when they, think or fall into the trap of the hype, you know, that it's got to happen fast. No, it doesn't. It can happen slow and steady. And in fact, most of the people you're following, if you, if you get nerdy about it and you start digging, you will find that they have been doing this for a long time and they show Mm -hmm. up consistently. They show up when they don't feel like it. They show up when they, you know, when they are having bad months and it doesn't mean that you have to push yourself. I'm not saying that I'm saying they're smart about it. Like I purposefully make sure that I show up for people, even when I don't feel good. And I do that by batching stuff and thinking ahead and not flying by the seat of my pants. Um, it showing up is really the biggest part of the battle for entrepreneurs. And I think too many 
entrepreneurs, especially newer in the game who are getting beat down with all the hype, they stop showing up because they listen to to things that just aren't true. And so just keep showing up, keep showing up for your community, keep listening to your community and know that you've got to do the work month in, month out. Um, and if you want to make it sustainable, you've got to start being smart about the work. You've got to make sure you understand what is it that's driving results in your business and make that a priority and find ways to create the systems and get the support you need in order to make sure that those results continue happening on a regular basis. And so you said that you grew up around entrepreneurs. And for those of us who maybe didn't, um, just it sounds like finding ways to surround ourselves with entrepreneurs who are also not um, not giving up, who are showing up every day, who are doing yeah. the work, um, finding those groups of people to help hold you accountable and bounce ideas off of and be inspired by. Um, that's a key element now, whether you grew up around entrepreneurs yeah. or not. Yeah, you got to have people who are going to be your reality check. You know, um, giving up is easy. And I, a lot of people, I feel, give up really quickly because they think it's easier just to go get a job or they think it's easier just to go do whatever else. But when you surround yourself by people who get what you're trying to create, I think they, they are a mirror to you and they will call you out if they are good, you know, business besties or friends. They, they will say, Hey, what is happening? What is going on? Like, why, why have you stopped doing this? Um, and bringing those people into your life is really, really important. Entrepreneurship can feel very isolating, especially online entrepreneurship, because no one really knows what we do. <laughs> they all think we're, you know, just hanging out at home, eating ice cream, watching Netflix all day long. And the truth is like, you're not. And if that is what's happening, you need to get on the phone with a business BFF and say, Hey man, I have not been doing the work. I've been binging on Netflix for a week and a half now. I need someone to snap me out of it. Yep. And that's so crucial to staying in the game. And it's something we hear over and over on this show and within our our customer base, our most successful customers at ConvertKit are those that are are showing up every week, sending their emails to their their email list, trying different things and um, seeing what works and and going with what picks up the most traction. So yeah. thanks for sharing that, Rachel. Yeah, of course. Rachel, what do you want to do with the reach that you have? Um, what is it? What is that driving force for you behind achieving the reach that you have today and even growing a reach bigger than you have right now? Yeah, I, this is a pretty personal thing for me because I really believe that entrepreneurship is the new women's movement. And we have so many women who, like I was, you know, trying to fit into the traditional model of success. I know I have so many friends I went to high school and college with who all have masters and PhDs and they are burning out and they want to start families and they want to live an incredible life, but they are burdened by things that are not meant to fit what many modern women actually want. So for me, entrepreneurship is a way for women to reclaim the life they want to create for themselves and the life they want to create for their families. 
And it's our way to kind of rebel against the status quo and say, you know what, you're not going to give me paid maternity leave. I'm going to create my own paid maternity leave. You're not going to let me do, you know, whatever it is that would support my family working from home. Well, fine. I'll find a way to do that myself. Um, I think women are entering entrepreneurship in record breaking numbers, but they're a population that is still struggling with entrepreneurship. Most women are not anywhere near the six figure mark. Most are closer to 50 K. Um, and I would like to see that change, not because it's about the money, but it's about creating real freedom for women, creating freedom where they can get the support they need, where they can live the lives that they want to lead, where they can not have to question, should I sign my kid up for ballet or can I go to this conference? I think women want more freedom and they want more choices. And if we're not going to get that in the traditional world, we have to find new ways to create it for ourselves. So that's really what kind of drives me is hearing from women who are like, wow, I was able to do this for my family this month. Um, I was able to buy a house. I was able to um, sign my kid up for this thing they've been dreaming of. And we used to struggle to sign them up for that. That makes me really happy. That's a beautiful mission. And it's clearly reflected at rachelcook.com and in all the work that you've done to, to get to where you are today. So thank you for sharing that with the world. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Not many people do. So it's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I like to ask the questions nobody asks. Um, well, Rachel, thank you for your time today and for all of the answers. I have pages of notes, and I'm sure our listeners, if they aren't driving or cleaning the house <laughs> or doing whatever we all do when we listen to podcasts, um, probably have a bunch of notes too. And there's always the action sheet that they can download afterwards, and um, we'll give you guys the link for that too. So thanks again, Rachel, for your time and for all of your wisdom. And can't wait to talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was Rachel Cook, founder of The Sweet Spot Strategy and rachelcook.com. You can find out more about Rachel, her blog, and her products at rachelcook.com. Grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening.